Today on The Full Life, we have a conversation about something every one of us goes through at some point, a conversation about grief and loss. But how can we find God in this process? We're gonna talk about it with our special guest today. Welcome back to another episode of The Full Life. And as I said, today's show is all about how to find God while you're going through a process of grief and loss. Every one of us will go through this process at some point in our lives in some way. And sometimes it's even sudden as with our special guest today. But before we talk to him and his and learn his story, let's check in for an encouraging word with Hank. Hey everyone, this is Hank with just a quick encouraging word. In Luke chapter four, we have this um, Luke's version verses one to 13 of when Jesus is tested in the wilderness. And I think this is a very um, fitting passage. A lot of times we look at this passage maybe before Lent or during the season of Lent, but for a lot of us, you know, the last year and a half might've been an elongated season of Lent. One of the things I wanted to point out is this starts out very much in the beginning telling us that Jesus full of the Holy Spirit is led into the led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. A reminder to us that no no matter how hard things are, no matter how dry it seems, no matter what struggle we're in, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us can still keep leading us. And I love that for 40 days and 40 nights while he's hungry um, and tempted by this devil, um, I love that he's full of the Holy Spirit. So he's empty and hungry for food, but he's full of the Holy Spirit. And when you look at these three things that the devil tempts him with, right? The first one is he appeals to the physical and says, you know, yeah, if you're the son of God, like tell the stone to turn to bread. And as a kid, I was wondered that like, oh man, Jesus is so witty. Jesus is so smart. You know, the devil wants him to turn uh, a rock to bread or stone to bread. And he says, no, you know, we shall not live by bread alone. What I recently found out is that Jesus is actually quoting scripture there. And he's intentionally quoting um, Deuteronomy when Israel was in the desert and in the wilderness. And I love that because Jesus is not just being witty. Jesus is not just outsmarting the devil, but Jesus is reminding the devil and us that sometimes God's people go through a wilderness. Sometimes we're in there and he may have only been in 40 days, but he recounts back to the 40 years and remembers that like in that wilderness, God provided manna every single day. So what a blessing to know that even if it's a physical pain that we're in, our God is a God who provides. Now, the second temptation, you know, he takes him up and he shows everything in authority and splendor, the kingdoms of the world. And what he just said, like, if you worship me, it will all be yours. And as a kid, again, I always struggle with that because I'm like, if God has the power to give these things to the devil, like, God also has the power to take them, right? Um, but I love that Jesus' answer again, he goes back to the wilderness, he goes back to Deuteronomy and says, no, 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 no. We shall worship the Lord our God and serve him only. And I love that because, again, it says that even in the midst of temptation, even when we don't feel as close to God, our job is to worship God and serve God. Our job is to trust God and serve God. No matter how good something looks outside or even sometimes inside our heads, um, if it's not what God wants for us, we shall not accept it. We should be focusing on what? Worshiping God and serving him. 
And then the last temptation, of course, you know, um, the devil does something that I think is very dangerous here. He noticed that Jesus keeps using scripture. So now he's going to use scripture, right? So he quotes Psalm 91, a Psalm that's about God protecting us and being our refuge, our strength and all that good stuff. And, and it's a reminder to us, you know, that we are to use scripture for God's kingdom, for God's glory to build up and to do God's work. And, and sometimes people can use scripture for, for evil purposes. And the devil does that here. You know, he says, why don't you just throw yourself off? The, the building off the temple and God will protect you. Right. And, and the Lord responds, you know, do not put the Lord, your God to the test. And I think this is the most challenging one for all of us. Right. Because what Jesus is saying here is that our goal, our work, our job is to trust God, not to test God by putting ourselves in danger. Right. So as I look back at this wilderness story and for some of you who may be feeling in the wilderness, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, maybe even financially, um, what I want us to hold on to is that Jesus tells us to go back to scripture and scripture remind us that our God provides. So let's not live on the physical alone. Scripture also remind us that our God um, is going to protect us and our God is with us. So no matter how tempting it seems, we can know that he's with us and we can worship him. And lastly, it's not our job to run to danger or put ourselves in danger to test our God that way. But it is our job to trust God. So wherever wilderness place you are, I pray that this is an encouraging word to you. And I pray that you're holding on to God, knowing that the God who was, the God who is, and the God who will be is the God who's with you now. And is the God who's in whatever situation you're in working for your good. God bless you all. And as always, for more encouraging words, prayer tips, and full episodes, follow and like us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. While I'm not happy that our today's guest had to go through this season of his life, I am very grateful and excited he decided to share his story and write this book. He, the, the generosity of spirit uh, and the faithfulness that he has really just sort of leaps off the page when I read it. I'm just so excited for you to hear his story and hear him talk about it. Uh, of course, the book is about the sudden passing of his wife, Winter, uh, it's a, has a poignant title, My Winter Season, and I'm so excited again to welcome to the show Jonathan Pitts. Jonathan Pitts is an author, speaker, and executive pastor at Church of the City in Franklin, Tennessee. Prior to pastoring, Jonathan was the executive director at the Urban Alternative, the national ministry of Dr. Tony Evans in Dallas, Texas. Jonathan lives in Franklin, Tennessee with his four, and I'm going to say dynamic daughters. Welcome to the show. Joseph, Jonathan. it's good to be with you. Glad to be with you today. All righty. So let's, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the book to me was kind of a love letter to Winter and the legacy she left for you, your daughters, and the world. And so I think that's where we should start. You know, tell us about Winter. Yeah, it's interesting. Winter was... Uh, uh, a regular little girl, a regular little girl that grew into a regular big girl doing big things for God. And uh, it's just really interesting. When I met Winter, I knew, you know, within a few days that I would marry her. And ultimately, um, I knew that God was calling us on this journey together. We were 21 years old when I uh, remember just a few months before we got engaged, I asked her what she wanted to do with her life. And uh, she said, I want to write a book. And I just said, write, write a book about what? What do you want to write a book about? And she said, I want to write a book about I don't know. Like, I don't need to know right now. And I was kind of like, well, you might want to figure that out. And it kind of describes winter because she wasn't a planner. She wasn't a strategist. She just had a dream in her heart. And so I would say first and foremost, winter was a dreamer. 
I fell in love with that dreamer and uh, by God's grace got to help her um, really carry out her dreams for 15 years and 27 days and 15 years and 27 days that God marked out for me with marriage to her uh, four daughters that um, I was able to uh, have with her and uh, we had a wonderful marriage uh, 15 years we weren't perfect she wasn't perfect but she was an amazing woman in love with God that did massive things for the kingdom of God and now she's got these four girls that I have the privilege of continuing to raise and um, yeah I would say uh, the book just shares who she was as a dreamer who she was as uh, my bride and best friend and who she was in the kingdom um, and as a mother uh, really her kingdom assignment really paralleled her assignment as a mom because uh, all the resources that she created as an author and as an entrepreneur were for girls like hers and a girl like the little girl that she was when she was um, a little girl growing up in a single parent home with a dad who was a drug addict like she just she she knew God and as she grew she didn't really realize the fullness of what God had for her and so her message was all about telling girls and helping girls understand that they serve a big God um, that cares about them not in in their mature version of themselves years from now but actually where they are right now and so she's an amazing dreamer. She was my best friend and a woman that I'm so glad to have spent um, a large chunk of my life with and build family with. And um, now she's with the Lord and I celebrate who she was. I honor who she was, even as I continue on with the journey that God has left for me. And um, I do it with great joy and anticipation for what he has ahead for me, because I do believe that, uh, you know, the, the, the greater will be or the, the latter will be greater than the former and all those things, just like the word says. And so I'm just trusting God with my life, with my girls. And God's got me on a whole new uh, journey right now, which I'm really grateful for. And um, yeah, really thankful. Well, thank you again for being with us and sharing your story. Um, Winter sounds like somebody I would have really liked. Mm. And uh, I, I feel her loss. It sounds weird, you know, just hearing your story and hearing from you, you can feel the loss because it's not just the loss of a wife and a mom, but this wonderful, as a woman in ministry, this wonderful, strong woman. Um, and I hate to take you through that shocking day again, but you had a raw and amazing reaction when you found her. And, and then again, at the hospital when you were with her. Can you share with us a bit about what that reaction was? Maybe why do you think you had that kind of reaction? You know, it was really sudden. Uh, we were one day moving to Nashville, found ourselves back in Dallas, just me finishing up my last week of work. And so uh, Winter took a nap and long story short, I would find her um, kind of having a cardiac event, which at the time I thought was a seizure. And so I, for the next 20 minutes or so, tried to perform CPR and I found myself in one side of my brain praying for a miracle while on the other side, um, asking God to give me the strength to walk through what I'd have to walk through if I lost her. I'm a pretty logical guy and an Eagle Scout. And so I know how long somebody can go without breathing. And so without a, without a miracle, I knew that I'd be telling my girls that their mom was gone and in eternity. And so I remember pacing outside of the, um, the hospital uh, emergency room, the room that she was in and um, just praying still, just praying for a miracle and just asking God to just help me know what to do. And uh, an attendant came out or a doctor, I can't remember what their role was and just said, Hey, we had a pulse, but we think it's gone. And you might want to come say goodbye to your wife. And um, I'll never forget walking in that room. I'll never forget, you know, really kneeling down beside the, her right side as she lay there. And um, and I don't know where it came from, um, but I just instinctively just began to sing. Um, it's your breath and all lungs, so we pour out a praise. Pour out a praise, it's your breath and all lungs. So we pour out a praise to you only. Great are you, God. And I just sang that chorus through a couple times. And I, I believe now, in the, in the moment, I didn't know I was just instinctively singing. And I believe what I was doing was reminding her of where she was going, while at the same time um, reminding myself of 
the God that gives me breath in my lungs just to continue on. And really my whole life growing up, um, music's been really important to me, important to my family. And um, worship has been near and dear to us in the best of times and celebration and the worst of times and desperation. And um, I think I was just instinctively leaning on this gift that God has given us in worship, that we can worship him in the good, we can worship him in the bad, we can worship him when things are up, we can worship him when things are down. And that same night I went, I went back to my, I, went, I would go to my, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law's house with my girls and midnight on a night, I mean, midnight of our soul, didn't know what to say. And all we did, I laid on a bed with my four girls, we just sang, we just worshiped. And it wasn't like we were worshiping from this place of like, uh, gratitude or joy even we were worshiping from a place of desperation yeah. and in that i do believe we would find joy we'd find god so wow thank you for sharing that story as a worshiper i think that's probably what i would do but how powerful that that's the song that came to your spirit it's excuse me i'm a bit of a mess you know imagine yeah, it's okay um and us girls, when we cry, you know, we have uh, mascara and it gets everything all big and messy and whatnot. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's your breath and our lungs and recognizing in that moment that God gave her the breath that yeah. she did have. So it's his breath. And if he said it was time to transfer that breath, just releasing that is so powerful. Um, I can't imagine how many people you've ministered to through this process. Oh, man, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> a bad situation right now. How many people you've ministered to through the process of even sharing this story? Yeah, it's been honestly um, the fact that God would use my pain. It's not like it makes it worth it like I would want it. And I'd be like, yeah, God, give me that pain so you can use it. But it is redemptive. And so I'm grateful for the fact that God could use moments that are really hard in my life to minister to others and. Uh, I don't take that for granted. Uh, I, I'd give it all back, you know, if I could, uh, for all this to not have happened to me and to my, happen to my girls. But I trust God's plan. I trust God's uh, plan for my future. I trust God's time for winter here on earth. It says the hairs on our heads are numbered and God has numbered our days and we don't have to worry about that. And so, you know, um, I, uh, I guess um, it's easier to say now, you know, two and a half years later, but or easier to say. Um, but I just really do trust that God knows what he's doing and that he orders all of our days. And I, that's the confidence I can speak to um, with my girls as well, um, that they that, that their mom didn't live a day less than she should have, that God took her home at the appropriate time. And uh, he obviously has a plan for them still and they're here. And so anyway, it's a bunch of truth that I try to lean into. And there've been days where it's yeah. been harder than others for sure. But worship is the instinct I have when I don't know what to say and I don't know how to process. I love that. I think there should that should be a song. Worship is the instinct that I have when I don't know what to say or know what to process. That would be a long title, but I think that's a good message. You know, yeah, I it's, think, what, huh? it's what we have as believers. It's, it's very, the, the fact of the matter is we can trust God. That's worship is uh, a display of our trust. You know, yeah. it's oh. funny because in the good times, yeah, to worship is to trust God and to give the good times back to Him as well. Because oftentimes in the good times, we forget that God has given us those. And yeah. so I would say good or bad, it's just a display of trust. Isn't that what Job did though? I mean, that's something I've held on to for years. It says, you know, after everything was taken from him, it says he bowed on his face and he worshiped. Yeah. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm so honored to be speaking to someone that understands that so deeply that you were able to shift into that position so easily as a father, as a pastor, as a husband. Yeah, by God's grace. Uh, you know, it's funny you saying that makes me want to just sing that song. In his time, in his time, yeah, he, he makes, makes all things beautiful, beautiful in his time. Yeah. yeah, it just makes me want to sing that. I mean, honestly, like, my, I don't know why I'm always oriented back to music, but um, yeah, that was literally like a song that came to my heart as you're singing, as you're saying that, because the reality is 
God's timing is perfect. Even when it doesn't feel like it to us, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. And he makes all things beautiful the way he does in his time. We don't, you know, his ways are higher than, than our ways. His thoughts are higher than, than our thoughts, all that. Like the reality is, is that we can trust it even yeah. when it doesn't feel good. Exactly so. right. So beautiful. Just love, I love what we're talking about today because I feel like so many people right now um, are going through and experiencing loss and some it's messing with their faith. I mean, I know even for myself, I've been through a lot of loss in my own life. I mean, I've lost my mother, my father, my brother, my sister. Hmm. Um, and I call them there. Sometimes there can be faith, faith shifters. You know, they can shake you up a little bit. Um, but I just want to know a little bit about your struggles. Um, if you can just talk about that a little bit and your process of how you overcame the grief and how you overcame the time of wanting to ask God, why, where are you? Um, you know, I think all of us go through those times and I just love to hear your process of how you made it through that. Yes. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, and I'll just be really real here. Uh, for me, for whatever reason, the hardest part for me wasn't the why. Um, I, I honestly trusted God with the, with the why. I didn't need to know the why. I didn't real, really deal with anger or resentment towards God for leaving me like this. Um, you know, it's interesting. The further I've gotten away from the loss of winter and the more I've been ready for my journey to continue, the more I've dealt with actually some of those issues, like not anger as much as just kind of like uh, the, the way I would say it is when, when I want to move forward and somebody questions it or my daughters have a concern or an issue, I go, I didn't ask for this. Like, I didn't ask for this life. I didn't ask for this challenge. And so the further I've gotten away from it, actually, the more I've had to deal with some of those wrestles, but not the why so much as the um, uh, probably impatience um, more so than anything. And in, in addition to that, I think it's funny because I should have known this in the beginning, you know, just two days after winter passed away, I uh, I had people reaching out to me, like family members just saying, hey, can you do the funeral this day or can you do this day or I need to travel for this or I have to have the, like family members and friends that were just like, you know, just tr thinking about their schedules. And and I literally was trying to figure out how do I accommodate all these people? And I'll never forget my, my cousin, Anthony, well, Winter's cousin, Anthony Evans Jr., who's a worship singer you guys might know. He just said, don't worry about anybody else. You do what's best for you. And honestly, uh, it's been two and a half years of me realizing that I'm this guy that is a people pleaser that is trying to make everybody else happy, um, even in my grief. And so one of the things that's been hard for me is just just following the plan that I feel like God has for my life and and not always being concerned about somebody else. Because what's happened for me is in worrying about other people, I've stunted things that God might want to do in my life um, because I've not trusted him. I've trusted their voices more than I've trusted his. And so it's really interesting. It's not been, um, yeah, the, the grief, there was, there was dark moments, really dark, um, lonely moments for me that I struggle with. And that's what I actually would also push into worship in those uh, really tried to push into intimacy with my girls and uh, tried to build our family identity really strong in moments when winter was gone. Uh, I guess the other way that I tried to do that, you know, I always say that winter wasn't a was she's an is like she's in eternity. She's here present somehow, some way in eternity. I can't see her, but ultimately she's with the Lord and she's present. And so I tried to make uh, her name safe in my home and with my girls and never, push her or shove her away, um, but allow her to be um, who she is. She's obviously not with us and we will see her again. Um, but I just really tried to make sure that um, one, that I honored her and honored her life, but then also allowed my girls to not have to lose her. Cause so many people press into um, uh, kind of isolation and moving away, like not wanting to speak about that loved one. And so we've tried to do that, but yeah, I think most of my struggle has been the struggles I had even before winter passed away. She would actually be one of the first one to say, why do you care so much about what people think? Like if, if you're honoring God, why do you care so much about what people think? And so that's actually been a bigger struggle for me than even walking through the grieving process. 
um, the hardest thing in the grieving process that was probably walking with my girls, like leading four little girls through the loss of their mom has probably been the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And um, uh, hard because I can't make them feel a certain way. I can't make them pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I've had to learn patience. Uh, I had moments of codependence even where if they weren't happy, I wasn't happy. If they were sad, I was sad. So I had to really trust the Lord with them. Ironically, Winter and I wrote a parenting book called She is Yours, Trusting God as You Raised the Girl He Gave You, which is a book on trusting God with the girls that he's given us to steward. And uh, I had to actually read that prayer over and over and over again. God, these girls are yours. I trust you with them. I can't make them be a certain way. I can't make them trust you. I can't make them believe that you're good. Like you're going to have to do that. That's your job, not mine. That's probably been the hardest thing for me. We're all parents on the on this show. You know, so what have you learned about parenting or how has your parenting been enriched by going through this? I've really had to trust that God knows what he's doing that he is sovereign and that he does use the good, the bad and the ugly for our good, that all things work together for those that are called according to his purposes. I've had to trust God in moments where I'm like, God, like, I don't get it. Like, I didn't ask for this. Like, how is this best for my girls when they lose their mom when she's 38, they're 14, 11, and my twins are nine at the time. And so just, it's really been a big um, journey of trust. And my girls are amazing, resilient girls, but I couldn't manage their emotions. I couldn't manage their loss and how they felt about it. I couldn't manage how they process their grief. And so the only thing I've been able to do is just be present with them in it and as mm. best as I can support them without trying to control them, um, which the older my girls get, even beyond the loss, the more I realize, oh my gosh, I can't control these girls. Like they have their own minds and they have their own relationship <laughs> with the Lord. And all I can do is do the best I can to model Christ likeness to them and, and be prayerful that me modeling it for them will make everything else look less attractive, which is what my parents did for me. That's probably my testimony. I've tasted and seen that God is good because my parents basically, I would say, force-fed me the gospel and all of its nutrition. And so when I tasted anything else, it tasted bitter, like the world tasted bitter, and it just has never been worth it, you know? And so I'm prayerful that my girls can have that testimony as well. You know, Jonathan, if you keep saying trust so much, how in the midst of all that, is that just something that you have always had as an absolute, as I trust God? doesn't matter? Or is it something you've had to work through? How have you got to that point? Yeah, I think it's it's important that we separate our emotions from the truth that we believe. You know, our emotions can feel a way, can cause us to try to go different directions. But ultimately, uh, my mentor, Dr. Tony Evans, says that your, that your faith is um, your emotions following your feet. That the way, the way your feet go, your emotions will catch up. And so if your feet are going the direction that God wants you to go, even if your emotions aren't there yet, eventually okay. they'll catch up. Mm-hmm. And so I would say for me and for anybody else struggling with their faith um, is uh, the, the goal is to act as if what God is saying is true. And that doesn't, that doesn't really matter. Your, your emotions in that process, it's not that they don't matter, but they're less important than your actual actions. You know, I look at, think about Hebrews 11, and it says that, you know, uh, Noah believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. Like all these people believed God and it was credited to them as righteousness. And so I guess for me as a man, my only goal is to have righteousness credited to me because of faith in Jesus Christ. And um, that has little to do with my emotions and has all to do with the posture of my heart and my feet. And so I have emotions just like anybody else. I have sad days. I have angry days. I have all these different days. And my only goal is to continue to trust God um, with my feet and be prayerful that my emotions catch up. And I've to this point, I'm 41 years old. It's always happened. Like they've always caught up. Um, if I've been faithful to believe God, if I've been faithful to put my feet in the direction of him, my emotions will eventually catch up. I've not caught, catch up. I've not done that perfectly. And thank, thank for God's grace, because that's the only thing that keeps me on that path. 
even for those those guys of uh, of old in the Hebrews eleven, those guys and gals, like they weren't perfect either. And God's grace had to be His grace for them then, just like it is for me now. And um, but yeah, I think um, uh, the, the definition of faith I love. Another one by my mentor, Dr. Tony Evans. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God says so. It's acting like God is telling the truth. Jonathan, you talk about Jehovah Jireh um, in the book. What is the concept and how did you experience it throughout this grieving process? You know, kind of how did you move on from not just God of enough? Yeah, it's interesting. I grew up and I don't think it was a bad theology, but I grew up in a, let's call it a lower middle class household. And so our prayers were that God would show up, that he'd provide a vehicle, that he'd provide food for grocers, that he'd provide um, you know, money for this camp to go to. And we were, if God provided enough, we were happy. And uh, it's actually a really good theology to have because we should be grateful for whatever God provides because right. enough is enough. We don't need more than enough. But what I discovered in my loss is that God's gone above and beyond my story and he's provided more than enough. He's gone above and beyond all I can ask or think and provide it. So I think about my wife passed away and, um, you know, uh, the day of winter's funeral, my sister came to me and said, John, like uh, the Lord told me, if you need me, I'm supposed to come. And so a little over a month after winter passed away, my sister, Carmen, who was living in New Jersey, a thousand miles away from me, sold her car, broke her lease and moved in with me to help me with my girls. And what's crazy is in that move, um, every single physical need that I had from meals to help with carpool to I'm a pastor, I'm a busy executive and entrepreneur, like all these things going on that God wasn't slowing down. I even felt more called to leave Winter's ministry when she passed away. God brought this amazing godly woman into my life that allowed me to even almost rest from a logistics perspective. Because Winter was an entrepreneur like me. We were busy together. And so we had Chick-fil-A at least two nights a week. And, you know, we were, so it wasn't like we actually shared a lot of those responsibilities. But when my sister came, I literally, God literally lifted a ton of responsibility from me that she could provide enlighten my load. That's an, um, that's a more than enough God right there. That's not just enough. That's a more than enough God. Um, financially, he did the same thing. We had people literally, uh, one of my cousins started a Kickstarter campaign. We had debt. My wife had college debt. We had a couple other debts that we were still paying off. And um, my cousin started the kick, not a Kickstarter, but a um, uh, GoFundMe account and yeah. raised enough money, not only for us to pay off all of our debt, but for us to even have an emergency savings after that. So wow. we'd be provided for. So in the last three years, I've not had to worry about money and finance. And I've been able to think about my girls and be with them in their grief. And uh, God's just been really good. He's been more than enough. And my new theology is, yes, God is enough. If he just gives us enough, we should be happy. We should be grateful. But expect him to do big things because you can expect him to do that. He's just that amazing. He wants to do that in our lives. So now you got me thinking of a song. What's that? You are more than enough. That one. More than I enough. thought you were going to do that. Jehovah Jireh. You are enough. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Jehovah Nisi. You are enough. All right. Well, Carolyn. You can tell we have we can tell you have some worshipers on this show. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, you mentioned your sister Carmen, and mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about the concept of asking for help because I think, especially for men, that's not an easy concept to to, yeah. to tackle or handle. And you feel like you need to be independent. Talk about that process of accepting sure. help. Yeah, I was going to say it was less about asking because people were coming out of the woodwork to provide for me. My sister being one of them, I didn't ask her. She just provide. She just asked if she could. 
And it's just really interesting because it was really hard to say yes. And it was hard to feel like I didn't have to reciprocate. What's funny is God put me in a position where I couldn't. There's no way I could ever pay my sister back for all she's done for me. Not a chance. And so um, it's, it's caused me to really be grateful for the fact that God's kindness is so much more amazing than the world's kindness because the world's kindness always expects something in return. And I was living in a place of like, oh, I'm, this is a worldly standard for me. I'm going to go ahead and try to pay back. And I just couldn't. So God put me in a place where there's no way I could ever pay back. And my only response was gratitude. And what's done, what that's done for me now is it's actually given me a greater perspective for how I can do the same for others. And so we've had a couple of incidences, um, a, a, young, a young boy that, was, that passed away in our neighborhood, but we were able to help out and just different ways we've been able to help. And it's put me in a place of wanting to help and do so in a way where I want nothing in return and make it known that I want nothing in return, just like it, there's been nothing I could give in return to my sister for all she's done for me. Now, can I try to be be grateful to her and show her ways that I'm grateful? Absolutely. Um, but there's no way, you know, in God's kindness, he gives us so much that we could never pay back. And the, the goal for us is just to receive it as a good blessing from our good father, you know. And so, yeah, it's, I've had to learn to receive without reciprocation. So, you know, in the book, you talk a lot about legacy. We mentioned that before. Um, and that that kind of starts with planning the funeral, celebration of life. Um, and you, you, you mentioned about continuing to shepherd her ministry, which I think is so important. Um, my stepfather, Bob Harrison, lost his wife, Cindy Harrison, uh, 20 years, 20, 30 some years ago. But that yes. was a part of it, stewarding her, you know, making sure her legacy moves on. In fact, uh, they actually even did something this past year because they realized there was stuff that was getting lost, teaching mm. different things. And so, you know, it's it's a hard balance moving on in life, but also holding on to that legacy. So I, I commend you for that. I, I'd love for you to share just a little bit more on that, what you've done to help continue that legacy and ensure it. Yeah, I, I'll start off just by talking about um, the reality of, you know, legacy is those things that we invest in that live on beyond ourselves on this earth. And those things that matter for kingdom importance that, um, can be passed on that God allows us to have beyond this life. My kids are going to be a part of my legacy. And Winters, our girls are a part of her legacy. Her ministry for girls like you was another one of those. And I knew instinctively when she passed away, two things. One, I had to take care of our girls, which is part of her legacy. And then two, I needed to take care of her ministry, which is the other part of her legacy. She started the magazine for girls called For Girls Like You, which was reaching girls all over the world, uh, mainly in the US, but all over the world. And I knew instinctively I was to carry it on. And so I with all of me invested in my girls and invested in that ministry in a way that would uh, ensure its continuation. I turned her ministry, I jokingly called it a for-profit nonprofit, even when it was a for-profit because we never made money on it. And I actually turned it into a nonprofit and uh, have for the last two and a half years stewarded that, stewarded that ministry and hired a team. And now I'm actually in the place of taking that ministry and kind of in a way handing it and partnering with another ministry that wants to carry it on as well. And so I feel like I've taken it by myself as far as I can. And now I'm joining with another team uh, to do that as well. And uh, what's really beautiful is the things that God wants to carry on, um, which are the only thing that things that matter for our legacy are the things that matter for him. And I just knew that he wanted to carry it on. And so what's really beautiful now is looking at the hard work I put in, looking at the hard work that Winter's put in. It's now this ministry's 10 years old. The hard work that I've carried it on for two and a half years beyond her seven, uh, seven and a half years here. And now seeing that God's going to carry it on a new way. And I can kind of step back to a certain degree and just say, God, that's, that's good. It's been good. I've invested. It's been good. Now I could take, I'm still going to be working in the ministry, but I'm taking a different role, which allows me to relax a little bit and, yeah, but God carries on the things he wants to carry on, which are the things that matter for kingdom importance and uh, for girls like you as one of those. Well, you know, it's so easy. I think it's so easy after you go through death and you go through life's change. It's so easy for everybody to say it's time to move on. And mm -hmm. 
I don't know about for you. I, I sort of, that's a hard one for me because I don't know that you ever move on. I think you continue on. And, but I would love to hear just how did you continue on or move on? Like, what did that look like for you? How, I know you've said how you, somebody came in and they stayed, but I think there was probably a lot more emotionally, spiritually. I mean, what are some scriptures, some nuggets that really got you through that? Anybody who's watching today, who's going, I got to get to where you are. What, yeah. what would you say to them? How do they move on? Well, God was kind to give me um, really a song. Um, Stephen Furtick is a pastor, uh, Elevation Church. He uh, has these little cadences, these little two minute. It's basically him preaching with music bed to it. I used to run to those. And the day before Winter's funeral, I pulled up my Spotify and he just happened to be on because the last run I took, he was on. And he has one called Moving On. And it's basically, I think it's Genesis 39. And the, it, basically what it says is that um, uh, Jacob buried Rachel, set a memorial, and then he moved on. It's telling the story of Jacob who married Rachel. The Bible says that he loved Rachel um, yeah. really well. And ultimately uh, she dies on their journey. And the Bible says that Jacob buried Rachel, set a memorial, and then he moved on. And Stephen goes on to describe in this little this little teaching that he's doing that he moved on because he had a job to do. He had to get Reuben and Simeon and uh, Levi and all the sons of Israel to the place that to the promised land. He had to get them to, and he had to move on. But he didn't move on before setting a memorial. He marked that moment. He marked that time. He marked that memory, and he didn't just skip over his loss. He didn't pass by the loss. It was a big loss for him, but he marked it with a memorial. And then he moved forward, moved on. And it was really beautiful that God gave that to me the day before Winter's funeral because I went into the funeral with this mindset of I'm going to mark this. And not just like this moment, like this funeral, and then I'm, then I'm moving on, but I'm going to mark, honor, well, um, uh, make much of my life with Winter, which this book is a part of. It's making much of my, my life with Winter, much of what I learned with Winter, much of what we did in ministry together. So in a way, the book itself, My Winter Season, is a, is a memorial and a marker to, to our life together and the season that we had. Um, but then I do need to move on. You can say move on. You can say move move forward. Lots yeah. of people get offended by different language. But for me, it's yeah. like, yeah, God's got a place that he wants me to go. And for whatever reason, um, winter's not to go there with me. And so I've got a job to do. I've got to raise these girls. God's got more for my future. And so I can move forward confidently knowing that God has a work and a plan for me that at some point ventured off from the path of winters. And what's beautiful is she's an eternity. She's not worried about us down here. She sees the whole plan. She sees the whole picture. She sees how we're going to be re reunited again. Maybe in, in eternity we already are because eternity is not tied to time and space. I don't know. But ultimately, um, we don't have to worry about her because she's in the presence of the Lord and she's good. And we can move forward with the plans that God has for us in, in, in time. And uh, Acts 13, 36 is a verse that I've really clung to. Says that David served the purposes of God for his generation and then he fell asleep. David served the purposes of God for his generation and then he fell asleep. And that verse is a short verse, but what it says is that God had a purpose for David's life. David served that purpose. And when that purpose was done, God took him home. And we can be assured as believers in Jesus Christ that he has a purpose for our life. That purpose is not going to be cut short. Like God is too good, he's too perfect. He's too kind for that purpose to be shut, cut short. And so we can trust that when that time ends for me or for you or for anyone else, that his timing is perfect. And so even with winter, I can trust that God's timing is perfect. I can be grateful for the time that we had. And I can move forward knowing that God completed all that he wanted to complete for her and for us in that time. Right. Obviously, that's easier to say than to do. That's why we have this thing called grief. <laughs> we have this process called grief, which I've walked through for several years now, because there is a process. There's a, there's a process for unwinding oneness. Oneness is a big deal. And, you know, the day that winter and I got married, we became one. 
And over the years of our marriage together, 15 years and 27 days, that oneness was getting closer and closer and closer and closer in reality, not just legally, because God says legally that we're one as soon as we get married. Um, so there's a process of undoing that oneness. And so I've, uh, I was on a journey of undoing that oneness. And the biggest step for me in that process was realizing, oh my gosh, like I'm a good husband, but Jesus is a better husband. And if winter is the bride of Christ and she's now completely and utterly the bride of Christ, I no longer have to worry about her, protect her. Um, I don't have to be committed to her like I was because ultimately she's with the one who has full commitment, full love, full um, protection, full everything of her. And so I can let her go in peace knowing that God has a new plan for me. And so that's where I'm trying to remain now. And um, by God's grace, I've moved into a place now where I'm actually engaged to be married. And I found love again, which I didn't think was possible the way that it is. You know, I mean, I, I got it from a parenting perspective because I have four kids that are all different. I love them all differently and I love them all really fully. And so now I've kind of got a new perspective for like, oh my gosh, God can actually give me new love, new season, yeah. um, new refreshment. And I'm really grateful for that. Jonathan, you write about a beautiful story about your oldest daughter, Alina, um, taking a walk with you. Tell us a little bit about that. And then I want you to give an opportunity to kind of brag on your girls. You know, you say you have four daughters and yeah, we want to find out more about them and how they're all doing today. Uh, well, I would say, first of all, uh, yeah, it was the Friday before the Saturday, which we did the funeral on Saturday, buried winter on a Sunday. But that Friday... Alina asked me if we could take a walk. She's now 17. She was 14 then. And she, uh, by the way, if you guys have ever seen the movie War Room, Alina was the child actress, the jump rope girl from the movie War Room. And so she's been yeah. really mature beyond her years for many years. She filmed that when she was 10 and wrote a couple books with her mom, fictional series, and toured and traveled. And so she's a 14-year-old, but uh, at 14, she was 14 then, but she was probably more like 18 emotionally in a way, just grew up fast. But anyway, we took a walk and she just asked me, she said, dad, are we going to keep going to Nashville? Cause we'd already bought our house, got the girls in school. We had spent four nights in Nashville and gone back to Dallas for me to finish my last week of work where uh, winter would pass away and where we would bury her. And that Friday before the funeral, she said, dad, are we, um, are we going to keep going to Nashville? And I said, well, we ought to pray about it. And I need to think about it. And I was just trying to be this wise leader dad. And she just looks at me and she goes, dad, like mom wanted to go to Nashville more than anybody. I think we're supposed to go. And I'm telling you like in a moment, in a snap, like I just knew that well, that's what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to keep going. And every part of me that was holding on to, should we stay? And I could have maybe stayed in my job with Dr. Evans. I had great standing with him and stayed with our family, the Evans family, which was Winter's cousins and um, uncle and aunt and all that. But we, I just knew that God was calling us on through the voice of my daughter. And um, I'm so grateful that I listened to her because I, I really believe that her voice was the voice of the Holy Spirit to me in that moment. And uh, we've come and really in that we found um, Franklin, Tennessee, where we live and where I pastor at Church of the City to be a real incubator of healing for us and um, a new place, a fresh place to get a fresh start and be a little bit removed from all that was our life together in ministry. And um, everybody doesn't get that opportunity. I'm grateful that we did and that God set it up before because I wouldn't have done that had it not have already been the plan and a plan that was already being walked out. But I would say um, the thing I'm most proud of almost three years after losing winter is the resiliency of my girls. My girls are so resilient, um, so beautiful in spirit, uh, trusting in the Lord. And they've not been perfect. I haven't been perfect. They're human beings just like I am, but they've been really resilient. And um, I've watched them um, walk through an incredible loss and um, still walk through an incredible loss and find the Lord to be faithful, find joy, find friendship, find peace. And I'm really grateful for them and for that. Alina, my 17-year-old, Caitlin, my 14-year-old, and then Cameron and Olivia, who are twins, and they're 11 right now, almost 12, 12 next month. So, 
Well, you're very proud of your girls. And that is the picture of legacy, obviously, that Winter left that you were talking about, you know, these beautiful girls that, that mm -hmm. uh, they're not falling apart, you know, and, and that means that there was already wonderful, beautiful seeds planted in them. And I, I want to just, before we wrap up, just talk a little bit more about Winter's vision um, for girls like you. Yeah. Talk about the resources well, that are available and just, 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 just give us a little bit more of how we can also, how girls can get that. Yeah. So for girls like you, I'll never forget Winter sitting down with a, uh, a laptop, a borrowed laptop, my laptop, downloading a free copy of Adobe InDesign and just saying, I want to create something for our girls. I can't find any resources that are age appropriate that are also fun. And so I want to create something. So she sat down with a free copy of Adobe InDesign, 30 day free trial. 30 days later after that, she downloaded another copy then another copy should 90 days of free trials on three different laptops to get this thing started. And it was just like this little pamphlet kind of thing. And eventually she'd do a Kickstarter campaign. She'd raise a thousand dollars. She'd print like maybe 20 magazines for that. And that was the beginning of for girls like you magazine. And we turned it into a subscriber based tool. Um, when she died, uh, the magazine had about 1200 subscribers and now we're probably close to 6,000 subscribers. Oh, wow. We have subscribers in all parts of the English speaking world, Australia, South Africa, England, the U S Canada, and uh, actually just saw we have a reader in, two readers in Qatar. And um, anyway, uh, she basically built this resource that was exposing little girls to other little girls that were doing big things for God, other regular little girls doing, regular little girls doing big things for God because she wanted to see girls uh, have a vision for the life that they can have in the Lord. And Leanna, uh, uh, sorry, Leanna, Leanna's my sister, Alina was one of those kind of model girls. She was a regular little girl that God plucked out of nowhere to become this actress in this movie that went on to be the number seven Christian film of all time right now, I think it is. And she's just a regular little girl doing big things for God. And Winter wanted other girls to know that they could do that as well. Ironically, Winter started the magazine um, about two years prior to Alina getting cast in that movie. And she just became a part of the vision, Alina did. And so now we still, I hired, we actually hired an editor in chief six months before Winter passed away by God's providence. And uh, Roberta is her name and she still publishes the magazine with us. And um, it's still a resource that's reaching far and wide, um, showing other showing girls, other big, other little girls doing big things for God. And uh, you can find more about that at forgirlslikeyou.com, F-O-R, forgirlslikeyou.com. Ironically, we have four girls, F-O-U-R. But um, you can find more resources there. Winter created the, uh, the magazine, but from that, she also published about eight books before she passed away and now has more than probably 20 resources to her name because so much more has been published since she passed away that are kind of tools that go in conjunction with the magazine. And uh, God just continues to grow her legacy um, that way, his legacy through her, her obedience. I love that, his legacy through her obedience. Yeah. So good. I got to check it out because I've got two young girls and I want them to be inspired. I mean, always, if it, iron sharpens iron. And if kids can see other kids that they're not getting labels put on them that you're too young, but these kids are your age and they're doing great things for God. I just love that. I think we need that positive out there like never before. Yeah, God wants to use them now. He doesn't want to wait until they get to some better version of themselves. That's kind of one of the messages is he wants to use them now. Mm -hmm. And um, he can if, they, if they're willing. You know, I will say it was oddly peaceful to mm -hmm. read a story about grief, but listen to your story and go, I feel very peaceful after reading yeah. this story. And well, I think that's a testament to what you've been able to, to do. For well, people. I'm glad to hear that. I, you know, for me, I just thought to myself, why is anybody going to want to hear my story about grief? My publisher just encouraged me to write it. And as I wrote, I found it very therapeutic. And I'm, I'm glad to hear people share that they, they really can't, they, they, they don't want to put it down. They want to just keep reading it. And 
that I was able to write a compelling story. Just grateful for the team that surrounded me in that. But um, thank you. Yeah, grateful. Let's take a moment to focus on the fullness of prayer. Well, I would say, first of all, uh, prayer to me, um, I think about the scripture, just pray without ceasing. I think over the course of my life, uh, oftentimes prayer has gotten complicated and I need to be in a certain place or a certain position or a certain circumstance to pray. And, um, you know, I think we can all get there honestly because life can get complicated, but ultimately prayer is actually really simple. It's having conversations with God like I would any other friend. Um, Jesus is my friend. I can talk to him like a friend. And so I, I try to keep it really simple these days. And that means praying out without ceasing. I actually walked, uh, kind of had to run into my house today to grab something. I was running late and I ran inside and I just had this thought of something I wanted to share with the Lord. And I just shared it, like walking up the steps like I would if you were like walking beside me. And uh, so I try to keep it simple, uh, keep it basic, uh, keep, keep it from getting muddled by any internal thoughts or worries or concerns I have and just talk to the Lord like I would a friend because he actually is. And so I don't have to treat him any differently. Now, obviously that doesn't mean we don't have reverence for God and reverence for who he is in our life. Like in the same way we would have reverence, I have reverence for my own dad on, on earth. I, I don't always talk to my dad casually. I can talk to him a little bit more formally at times, but um, I would say praying without ceasing for me right now is the theme of my life. Um, never taking for granted the opportunity I have just to talk with, uh, with Jesus as I would anybody else because he, he not only listens as well as anybody else, but he actually listens better. And he actually ha is capable to actually respond to what I'm either asking him for, whatever whatever I'm sharing with him. It's also this idea of listening. Uh, there's a book I wrote, uh, read um, during the COVID uh, called The Attentive Life by Leighton Ford. And Leighton kind of um, advocates for seeing all things in God and seeing God in all things. This idea, it's kind of an ancient idea, but ultimately just looking for God in all things because he's there and he's speaking all, at all times. And so I, if, if I'm paying attention to what God's doing, I'm going to hear him, I'm going to see him, and I'll be able to reflect on those things that I'm hearing and seeing and just conversate with him. So it's paying attention, it's keeping things simple, and it's constantly talking to God like I would a friend. That's amazing. Um, I love the idea of conversation. Uh, that's one thing I've really been growing in is this idea that if it is a conversation, I need to talk, but I also need to listen. So mm -hmm. I really liked you um, um, highlighting that. I would say it's been the hardest season of my life, but also the most beautiful because I've watched God answer prayer after prayer after prayer, even prayers that I didn't know how to pray um, with actual words, but just groanings yeah. as the word would say that we, that God hears our groanings and he answers those, um, you know, just groanings that we have in the spirit. And so I think about my life over the last two and a half years, having lost um, my wife, I've not wanted for anything. God's continued to not only provide, but also blow my mind with his provision. I would say I used to pray prayers that were just enough prayers. Like, God, if you just do this. And now I just know that God will do, you know, just above all we can ask or think. Like his, his desire is to be really extravagant with us. And he's really blessed us in really extravagant ways. I've always prayed that God would provide. But in my loss, God has provided um, even beyond just our simple means. And I'm not just talking financial, I'm talking relational, I'm talking um, spiritual, I'm talking emotional, emotional health and well-being. And he's just given me um, real peace in a season that could have been um, really lacking in peace. Yeah. Well, we look forward to more from you and your girls. And so the ministry is again for girls like you. So if you have girls that you want or they want to do big things for God or you want them to be exposed to other kids doing big things for God, please take a look at, at forgirlslikeyou.com. Jonathan, they can get the book, uh, of course, wherever, right? Yeah, Amazon, anywhere books are sold, Amazon, anywhere. Yep. The book, again, of course, is called my winter season and Jonathan and they can connect with you on social media. I want you to make sure that they know how to 
Yeah, uh, my in, in, Instagram is probably my most used. Uh, Pitts Jr. Two Six. That's not not an easy name. Pitts P I T T S Jr. Two Six. Um, Instagram. They can find me at JonathanPitts.net, which talks more about the book as well. So yeah, thank you. Of course. And I leave you with this. I'm going to read this scripture from James. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that that testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let that perseverance finish the work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Mm. In any situation, that's what Jonathan put it in his book, this, this, this scripture. And I will tell you, that is not an easy thing in my mind all, every day, but what a thing to aspire to. I think God has a really good plan about how to deal with life's challenges. Mm. And we will hopefully see you next time here on the show as we talk about things. Uh, we talk about so many more conversations about how to deal with all of the challenges of life in and the things going on today in culture. We'll see you next time here on The Full Life.